0: Welcome to Police in Ireland, the podcast that seeks to capture the experiences people have with the police. I'm Dr Vicky Conway and I'm passionate about listening to people from all different walks of life about how they experience our police on Garda Síochána. This week we hear from Amy, a young woman from Cork who's experienced incredible trauma from a young age. As a teenager, Amy was sexually abused by her older brother. She shares with us what happened when she disclosed that fact, what it meant for her life, and how this has been handled to date by the Gardaí and the criminal justice system.
1: I just learned not to trust in the system, the system's crop, and I genuinely hope it doesn't happen to another kid. Because that would destroy that kid. It destroyed me.
0: Amy speaks to us today in the hope that things can be better for other victims. We rarely hear in detail about what the response of the state feels like for victims, so her desire to talk about this issue is deeply commendable. We acknowledge at the outset that this is an incredibly complex issue for any family. Dr Jay Mulcahy from the University of Limerick, an expert in trauma-informed responses to criminal justice issues, will introduce us to one of the newer and more significant ideas in how the Gardaí should respond to trauma. We're actually going to start with Jane telling us about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, what they are and how they differ from adult traumas.
2: So adverse childhood experiences or ACEs for short are um, a, a group of experiences, I guess, that can happen in childhood and they're harmful experiences. Things like physical abuse and physical neglect, sexual abuse, um, living with uh, a person who uh, has mental health problems or feels suicidal, um, a person with an addiction problem or having an incarcerated family member. Those were uh, some of the the original ACEs from the 1998 study, and they're kind of located within the household generally. But Clearly, there are other types of adversities as well. Um, Poverty would be an adversity uh, that lots of people in the criminal justice system would know and feel. Or things like racism is an adversity that you feel in your body and makes you unsafe in the presence of others. So that's a kind of useful way, actually, of thinking about adversities. Do they make people feel unsafe in the presence of other people? Emotional neglect is also one from the original study, and that is maybe a bit more difficult for people to imagine, but it's both um, maybe being emotionally starved, so of physical affection and touch, which we all need and we're all feeling bereft of, or a lot of us are now in COVID. But also emotional neglect would just be having your emotions invalidated or not learning that emotions have a meaning and a function, and so that can be harmful. And if you grew up in a household where you're emotionally neglected, you may not know what you're feeling, and you you may not be able to regulate what you're feeling around other people. A divorced parent or separated parents is another really common one. Being um, LGBT, I suppose, could also be an adversity, simply again because An aspect of your identity makes you feel unsafe in the presence of others, not because of you, but because of how they respond to you. So really, the the concept of adversity has grown to take account of these experiences that can have an impact on our development and on our functioning about 60% of any given population will have one of these adversities. Um, the problem is if you accumulate them in childhood, then they can lead to health problems like um, ca- they, they can increase your risk of cancer or diabetes or asthma. Um, they, they greatly increase your risk of developing alcoholism or drug addiction or even your risk of attempting suicide. The more of them you have, the more at risk of these adverse health and behavioural and relational outcomes you are. But um, one of the downsides, I suppose, of, of all of this is it was a large scale epidemiological study that has been repeated over the years. Um, and it is very useful in getting a sense of risk at a population level. At an individual level, it's much harder to say that if you four ACEs, X will occur. You know, because it's not deterministic, on the other hand, I've met lots of people who've told me they've five, six, seven, eight, nine aces, and being given this information helps them um maybe put some of their their challenges in perspective, and they then realize, you know what, I'm not broken. The problem was not with me. it was what happened to me and so. ACEs and trauma-informed care or trauma-informed approaches are linked, but in one sense they're also different because trauma can just be understood as, you can look at events, so things like surviving a rape attack would obviously be a traumatic experience, but for some people it could just be having an operation that they didn't really want, but they needed it and their body revolts. Or are surviving a natural disaster? You know, it doesn't. Uh, it's not the same for everyone, and two people who experience a similar thing may not have the same um, impacts. But I think it's useful to understand trauma as essentially an embodied experience, and it can manifest um, by way of chronic pain, actually, or depression, or anxiety. Or again, to go back to the feeling of safety in the presence of others, if you grew up in a really unsafe household where you're beaten or abused and verbally abused or sexually assaulted, how could you possibly feel safe in the presence of anyone? Because the the unit that you grew up in has created this sense that I'm not worthy, people are untrustworthy, they're dangerous, they're angry, they're volatile, and then you expect that from everyone else you encounter. And the need for a trauma-informed approach, really, in terms of service delivery, is to know that traumatic experiences are very common, that if we don't accept that they're common, then we're at risk of re-traumatising people.
0: With this bit of knowledge on ACEs and trauma-informed care, let's now meet Amy. She's 23 and has a young son, who you may hear in the background of this interview. This is Amy's life, and we're honoured that she let us in. I was in the care system and I had a few deals with the guards. On
1: some occasions they were very good. And others like why I went into care I was I made an engaged against my brother. And to the best of my knowledge I still that But I don't know all the process, going to the family centre, make a statement to the guards. I don't know all the, the things I was meant to do, you know, and the professionals, in their sense, believe me whereas my own mother didn't.
0: So having reported sexual abuse by her brother as a young teenager, Amy was placed in care. To this day, more than 10 years since she had initially disclosed, these allegations have not been dealt with. No decision has been made on whether to prosecute the case. And yet, as she developed a drug addiction, which Jane has pointed out is an increased likelihood having experienced such childhood adverse experiences, the guards came into her life in other ways. And at the time, I was very confused,
1: and I was like, I found
0: drugs, I found
1: fucking escapism, and it was less. But then the guards came more
0: involved. Amy first made the disclosure of abuse in 2010.
1: The only time I realised that it was wrong,
0: <laughs> I
1: said SPHE class, but I was it. First year. I wrote it in code and uh, gave it to a teacher of my school. And it spread my wildfire. I was in St. winces. and I went from there to Northman, to Praise,
0: everywhere. You know. So I said I lied and said he got me grounded. Because of this initial reaction, she took it back and she said that she had lied even though she hadn't. I got scared. Yeah. Because there was one thing he always said Shaman won't believe that, it. it's only a mess
1: And... Till this day, that works me And to this day, he was always right You know, because I was in the care and everything else And people were like, ah, oh, she's your mum, this And I was like, but she don't believe me She wanted me to tell her myself And I just couldn't Because there was a few occasions where either my brother or my brother was walking and apparently she'd seen nothing. Now, this was in a closed bathroom, yeah, with the door
0: closed. I was in the bath, he was next to me, and she walked in, but she saw nothing. Despite having managed to tell a teacher and then getting to speak to a social worker, this lack of belief at home meant she pulled back. And I remember being in that social worker's office and I asked her, I asked her a question about abuse at home
1: and I kind of left it at that, like, you know? She was, oh, these are like, they've oh, nice, They're nice. Because I know for a fact, I was going back home to that. And when I went home, my daughter was there, my granddad, and everyone was like, "Ah, oh, but you know what I can ruin? And I said,
0: OK, come on, you know. And then ever since that day, she told me to lock the door. She'd found out. That never happened. Despite recanting, the situation at home was incredibly difficult and tense. I left the family home when I was 15,
1: 16, I think. Me and my mother have a love-hate relationship. We had a fight one day, we on normally do. came out of my psychiatrist's office, and I told her I was up living with a friend up the road. And uh, that was the end. so I packed my bags. Mind you, we were number two, they were number
0: 19. <laughs> I didn't go for like. That social worker that she spoke to did not call the guards, and there was no further state involvement. It's worth noting that TUSLAI was created in 2014, four years later. Amy left home and moved to her friend's house without any involvement of police or social workers. Despite what had been happening to her, leaving was difficult because she was concerned for her younger sisters who were still at home. She was attending the Cork Life Centre for school and after she moved out, Don, the director, said he wanted to ask her something.
1: Now, I would have already told my friend my fears of my sisters in the house with him, and that's how it came about, because I wasn't there to protect him, you know, that response wasn't on me, I wasn't there 20%. No, I was so paranoid with it, I thought, that my friend's mother was after to tell him that. She didn't. It was just pure paranoia. I was like, what? He was like, do you have something to tell me? I was like, oh, what? Uh, is it about rats? He just looked at me like, no. He was like, it's okay. I was like, alright. Because um, I was like, look, I'll tell you if you tell me. <laughs> you know, and I remember his face. His face dropped. I've never seen a man just, I was like, what? Do you know, a pure, it wasn't out of, it was like, do you know, and he said to be there then? Do you know you'll have to go for
0: I was like, look, I don't give a shit about me. You know, all I care about is my sisters. And their safety, their well-being. The safety of her sisters was her priority at this point. Dawn, having received a disclosure from a child about sexual abuse, called the Gardee as per legal requirements. I remember being up in the life centre and the guard came. And the guard, at the time that took my
1: statement, I knew her. I, I knew her previous. It would be dealing community community, communicating and stuff. I was like, oh shit. I was like, I, uh, nah, I'm done for her. No, I was never in trouble with her. I didn't know a guard beyond the point of trouble at that stage. I was not allowed out there or <laughs> out right like that. I was like, yeah, Harley, football, puck up the road, whatever the case may be, extra. I was a good kid then.
0: Amy had never been in trouble, and yet her response to seeing a guard she knew locally was fearful.
1: And I was sitting there, and my social worker at the time, she sat in the guard like a bone giant. I was just sitting there, swinging my legs, like, oh yeah, it's The guard next not me there was another, two other fellas. Now, before I did, I wrote on a piece of paper, because I was a shitty cunt. I didn't want to say it. You know, I was like, Look, could I, 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 I say A, B, C, and D. Just, leave me not, like, say myths, you know.
0: She'd written things down to try and avoid having to say certain details out loud. There were a large number of adults in the room of mixed genders. And remember that the last time she tried to tell adults, she was left to fend for herself. Well, I couldn't physically say it, and it was a good ten minutes
1: solid. And at ten minutes, they were like, I mean, we already read it. Just say it. then like I said, I can't really remember much about making a statement, in a way. Because I was like, get in, get out, you know.
0: Amy was 15 at this point and was immediately taken into care, which was deeply traumatic in itself, and within weeks she discovered drugs. Meanwhile, nothing was happening with her case that she could see.
1: Because I went into care at the same time, because the minute that was, you know, it was in my friends, and then the minute the whole allegation came out, I had to be moved out of the test. Because two weeks I went into care, and <laughs> I found mm-hmm. drugs. It was a long, long process. And To this day, I think it's still going on. The process of it, well, the DPP, due to the fact of I was in the treatment center and I rang. I gave up ringing at one stage because I'm ringing, I'm ringing, I'm ringing and I get nothing. Do you know? They said, "Oh, it take a few years." It didn't. It took like a friend of mine then It was done within a year. The whole process. you. (laughs) You know. Why do you think yours has taken so long? Both underage, both family members, I recanted, you know, so my credibility wouldn't be
0: strong. She does acknowledge that the response the second time was different. But when they said it again, three years later, it was taking a bit more seriously. There
1: were no guards to foster. there was only the source. And I was thinking, was it the fact that. I went into care or what was the case Do you know? As far as I, I know, my foster mum said it to me, she was saying, they only put it down to experiment.
0: Imagine having been abused and being told that it had been written off as experimenting. Dr. Jay Mulcahy talked to us about what a trauma-informed response should look like.
2: Well, I suppose at a, at a basic level, um, we need to believe people. You know, when people report these type of acts, our default position should be to believe them. Now, as a police uh, officer, I obviously have to investigate the alleged crime. But if we go in from the perspective that around 98 percent of people are telling the truth, then we treat people accordingly and we treat them delicately. And what we need to know when investigating crimes of this nature is that memory, traumatic memory, is not linear. It is not a very clear, concise, episodic account of what happened. It's fragmented often. It's things like um, smells and sounds, and and it's kind of pixelated, and that is because when we're traumatised, memory isn't laid down in the same way as if it's a run-of-the-mill type of a memory. And that's to survive, really. It's it's the, the the brain's way of coping is to kind of park bits and pieces of it. And that's very frustrating if we're investigating a crime or an alleged crime, because we want a coherent narrative, a clear narrative. We don't want our complainants to be contradicting themselves or saying, oh, I thought I said that. That's actually what happened, you know. And we need to know that doesn't mean someone's lying. That doesn't mean someone is fabricating Something if if they're adding or subtracting, um, or or contradicting themselves because memory of traumatic events, as I say, isn't a nice uh, video film of what happened, unfortunately. And if we know this, um, then I suppose we need to just take care with people, uh, be kind, try and get the best evidence from them, which is to go at their pace. And I suppose to try and save people constantly having to go back over the story multiple times to multiple people, re-traumatising themselves some of the time where they have to go through the details. But there's, I think if, if all police globally investigating sexual crimes were trained in trauma, they would behave differently.
0: I asked Amy how she felt about the fact that she was removed from the home rather than her brother. I got blacklisted. Completely, My life changed because the yeah. family,
1: my family turned up back to me. You know, I was a druggie. Now when I first went in, about a week, when I was in there, I got a phone call from my ex. Oh, uh, meet at this place or something like that and meet your mother
0: and we sort all this out. Jane discussed with us the nuanced elements of taking a child into care, particularly in such a context.
2: It's very challenging because I suppose when it happens within the family context, taking children into care can't be done lightly either. You know, Um, you do need to do some uh, proper investigation and not be jumping the gun because being taken into care is also traumatic. You are taking people from their environment and and maybe placing them far away and, and, and it can be very upsetting and they may want to return. But in, in something of this nature where we know that the impact of abuse in childhood, of sexual nature and particularly incest or things like this, it has or it can have really, really lifelong impacts for people, so we need to do everything we can to prevent it, and where it's occurred, to protect people in whatever way we can, as soon as we can, and provide the the supports that they need psychologically or otherwise. And, and this is a thing with trauma that often it is the traumatized, the survivor who becomes the problem. Because if you think about when there are um, insidious things within a family system. There are interests at play in in pretending it's not there, you know. I mean, it's a horrible thing to believe as a parent. Um, uh, and I've heard before that families go through huge hoops where where this type of thing can happen, where they want to get help for the son. And the, meanwhile, the daughter is still living in the family home and you're kind of going, oh, my goodness, it's great to try and help the son because he's a teenager. But what about the victim here? You know, what about her needs? So it's massively complex, no easy answers. But asking uncomfortable questions of people, I think, is very important, you know, so that we don't kind of put blinders on ourselves and put our fingers in our ears and say this is too distasteful and upsetting to, to contemplate. You know, it's happening all over. Um, issues of this nature and survivors are not thankful for the lack of interest on the, on the part of GPs or whoever who who have been given signs and signals and have kind of looked the other way
0: By 2017 her addiction issues were serious At the start I was very very bad I got fixed the more I got the
1: more drugs I used or drank I drank and all that time, I was on to self-hurt myself. They didn't give a shit, you know. Just the girls came to know my name very regular. I wasn't going to fights or anything like that. I was picked up for old safety or uh, drug disorderly or stupid shit, shit, shit. Lighting the bed on fire,
0: you know, or not coming home. In a previous episode, we spoke with Liam about how kids in care have the guards called on them at times when children at home wouldn't. Like, for not going home. She got one caution on one occasion, but none of these interventions supported her in dealing with the underlying trauma, and so it got worse. It got to a point where she was sent to a treatment centre and found the group really difficult. They were asking me about my use and trauma
1: and stuff like that, and you all didn't believe me. I sat in the fucking room with 12 people going, you bastard. Well, I didn't say that. I kind of sat
0: there. I'm going to try. From it, from that group, you know. So the group didn't believe her allegations, and the head counsellor later said, it's okay if you lied.
1: Because I could get out the words properly and appropriately to. I could describe her better than I can describe the whole issue with my brother. ridiculed because I couldn't physically say it. Ah? So sure, sure it happened. Just so that was not re really traumatising because that's weird, like, but that was reiterating what my mother would have said, like, so she
0: never once believed me. Amy tried to ring the gardai who'd been investigating in order to prove that she'd even made the allegations but couldn't get onto them.
1: Now, I don't know till this day if they rang it or whatever the case may be, but two weeks later the head wasn't comes in. The head counselor came in and she apologised. Mind you, the, the group that was there that annihilated me. <laughs> left. <laughs> so, there was only two left. Okay, so, you know. It's mental. you know, because I spent years in the care system. I spent years telling guards, social workers the lot of them. One, the other doesn't believe me. Two, this is going nowhere. Three, I'm going to pull a bullet in his head, you know. And I was full of it. Full of resentment, full of anger.
0: Imagine being that 15-year-old girl who had disclosed this twice. Who has not been believed by social workers and counsellors. Who's had to battle to be heard. Who speaks up and nothing happens. Who has to leave home. Who carries all that trauma, turns to drugs because she's nowhere else to turn and then has to deal with the fallout of that without support. Her mother not believing her.
1: Discrimination, it's mental, you know, because... At the end of the day, I'm only one person. I'm only one, like, they're going to look at it. Oh, she was you know. Which is annoying because we're important, like, you know. I wanted my story to be heard. There was no change in the family home. Like, he wasn't, there was no social workers on her. You know, there was there was social workers on me. Like, the abuse that happened and stuff like that, none of that. Yeah, I was making a report of... Family centre, guards, all professionals, they all believe me. And I would say, yeah, but, like, my mother doesn't like it. But I'm hoping, then I said it, it made him a bit more vigilant. Do you know? That was my, my only thing. I give a shit about me. Because I, I proved it, I stayed in the House of Cheers. And many people have said to me, but you live in the House of Cheers. But, like, why didn't you come down and tell me, or why didn't you do something... <laughs> It's not that easy. It'd be a different story now what happened just once, but it didn't. Do you know? And as fucked up as it sounds, like, I fell in love with him. Do you know? I thought that's what love was. Like, do you know, sick way of thinking, but you know what? I was a kid, do you know? But in my actions afterwards, it showed not flat. I was a terror. <laughs> An absolute terror, At that time, it was what I needed to get by. You know, I need the sanctuary of... Yeah, I've done down in Milton, but... <laughs> I needed that peace. You know, I needed that freedom. And, uh... I came in trouble with the guards there too. <laughs> like, bins and stuff like that. But that was me acting out. You know? Oh, the like, every... Every... Everything I've dealt with the guards, there, they've all been a year or two, maybe, depending on the series of the case. I was in a car crash, and it was over and over over a year. How's that one? No, sorry, two years, because of was in, No, a year and a half. the It should make no sense. Because if you commit a crime, it's dealt with. If you commit a... go out there and burgle house. Six months, it's overdone it. Depending on the seriousness of it. But if it's a... Um, a sexual abuse, or at my dad she'd be waiting here. No, I know they not that way with everyone, but for me personally they have been done, Like one the guard one the guards moved down to Mallow. That's it. Okay, that's that's that too. You know, So I'm assuming i go, going my foster mother said that it's an experiment. You know? But that's still hard to take like, because I'm sitting here going I might like the boy who cried a wolf there because no one's listening. Do you know? Or say it so many, so many times and i am like no matters." do you
0: know? The refusal to believe her came in all sizes and shapes. That was always people said, always what people said, sorry. That yeah, but like, he's good looking. He wouldn't have to do that or because I was a liar. So I fabricated everything. Eventually, Amy asked the guardie to tell her mother the concrete details of the allegation.
1: I would have broke down the champagne. I was like, "Was she I? I didn't care at that state. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said I fabricated it because of my jealousy towards us.
0: The guardie have been aware of these allegations since 2013, and there has been no outcome. It's not even that there has been a decision not to prosecute. There's been no decision. And Amy's left feeling like the girl who cried wolf. Let's put this in context. Obviously over the last 25 years, the investigation of child sexual abuse has become a huge focus in Ireland. One might think that this would leave us with quite good systems in place. The investigation of child sex abuse by Angarda Shukona has been subject to two reports by the Garda Inspectorate, which is the body that conducts inspections on how the police handle certain issues. The findings have not been reassuring. The first report was published in 2012, before Amy's case came to Garda attention. It found issues relating to the policing of child sexual abuse concerning reporting and allegations, information management, investigation, prosecution, as well as monitoring and evaluation. There were concerns at the low numbers reporting allegations and what work on Gardaí was doing to reassure those who were considering coming forward about how they would be handled. They called for only specially trained Guardi to take statements for children. The inspectorate was very concerned that on Gardaí could not provide data on rates of abuse against children reported. It found that 42% of notifications about child sex abuse had not been recorded on PULSE. 30% had been recorded as something other than a criminal offence. In total, the inspectorate felt that 65% had not been recorded as child sexual abuse. There were problems with the tininess of creating such records and with the storage of data. The Inspectorate called for better training and investigatory standards, as well as risk assessing of every allegation made. There were also significant concerns relating to timeliness of investigations and interagency cooperation. The second report in 2018 was a follow-up to see how the Gardaí had done at responding to implementing the first report. This in itself is a very unusual step from the Inspectorate, which indicates the severity of the issue. Ultimately, this second report concluded that of the 29 recommendations made in 2012, 13 had been fully implemented, 6 were not implemented, 6 were partially implemented and 4 were not satisfactorily addressed. And even those which could be said to have been implemented were very slow in reaching that point. This second report found... That experienced and untrained Gardaí are still involved in all stages of child sexual abuse investigations, in taking initial counts from victims, obtaining victim and witness statements and dealing with suspects. That in some instances guardies stated they had implemented a recommendation but had only published a policy or directive and not overseen its actual implementation. That progress in developing multi-agency practices, policies and procedures has been slow and in some areas there has been limited progress in moving policy into practice at operational levels. That there is an absence of formal meeting arrangements between senior guardian and Tusla counterparts to discuss child protection issues and some senior Guardian did not know the identity of their equivalent manager in Tusla. That there is a real concern about information sharing between the two agencies. That the voice of the child is not always heard. That child's sexual abuse is a significant source of complaints to GSOC. That some cases examined by the Inspectorate were investigated with pace and to a high standard. However, many investigations drifted, with significant delays in victim statements, arresting or interviewing suspects and sending cases to the office of the DPP that the level of supervision during an investigation was difficult to determine from a case file or from a pulse record, and it appeared to take place at the end of an investigation when a file was submitted to a supervisor. This is a real shame, because ongoing supervision during an investigation could ensure proper and efficient handling of the investigation. And finally, the report found that delays of a year were normal, and that delays of two years were common. Thus, there is so much more that the Guardi could be doing to investigate such cases better in a more trauma-informed way and potentially leading to better and swifter outcomes. The development of divisional protective services units is a real bonus in this area, and we hope that it will contribute to much better investigations in the future. The change to Amy's life, the guilt over her sisters, the new structure of the care system was so hard to adjust to. My
1: life changed an awful lot, you know, because through my own addictions and other stuff, I missed out my sisters grown up, you know, and it was arms in my head, I didn't think, you know, because I literally had them with me 24-7, that I wasn't expelled from school, right, you know, or I wasn't in school, you know, like, I took that very hard, like, they were my, I had them since they were babies, till four and five. That's a big change, I was like, what the hell? I knew a big house to four people, like, what? I'm used to chaos, I was used to chaos, To was no chaos. It was just difficult, I was like, what the hell? And then you're allowed out, I'll um, so go, go to school or whatever, come back at six o'clock food, go back out again. Like, it, it was just baffling because I wasn't allowed outside the terrace, granted, but like, so I was in this new place, this woman going, yeah, gentlemen, walk work away, find your way back. This one, you know, lovely woman, I still talk to watch her to this day, you know. Uh, I'm grateful though, I'm grateful for all the lessons that I had, some good, some bad, you know, because
0: if I didn't, I wouldn't have made me a shock. And Amy is incredibly strong. I'm kind of in awe of her and what she's achieved. When I sat with her at a time when this was allowed, she was calm, reflective, understanding of the complexities involved. She's a wonderfully caring mother to her beautiful child. She takes two to three buses every evening to drop her child with her foster mother and then go on to train young girls how to play basketball. I admire her so much. As regards her feelings towards the Guardi, they do a
1: they don't ask you who you are. all right. The guard forgot about me. So, I went to recant this. Uh, and a later stage, I was like, you can't, Who forced me to do it? You know? And for a, for a guard to say, I forgot about you. Gee, thanks. The guard actually said that yeah? to you. I just learned that
0: to
1: trust in the system. The system is cropped. From the bottom to the top. Do you know? And I genuinely hope it doesn't happen to another kid. Because that will destroy that kid. It destroyed me. Because I still think about daily, you know? I still have the backlash to me. I deal with guards only now when I have to. I have another case. I actually forgot about that case to I was the streets and get stabbed. Totally forgot about it. And the guy rang me, a few weeks ago, I was like, hi, how are you? Forgot about that. You know, it's it's mental because he didn't have to get out I changed my number so many times since then. You know, so that guy went out of the way to contact me. You know, whereas I was still making the phone calls from uh growing out of session. All you had to read them. I was chasing them up. I, was, I got to a point where I actually gave up them. I was like, I can't. Because it was it pissed me off every time could you get such a person to read me back? And the update, no, no, no. What we so many times, We're just waiting for the DPP or whatever. I don't I like
0: you feel that's for us. It's a really stark example. When she was a victim of a stabbing, the guardian were on top of it, contacting her, updating her. But the victim of abuse within the family, she has to chase them. And even then it's to no avail.
2: Keeping the person informed at every stage of the process, I think would be helpful. And explaining why certain decisions are taken if they can. And and just being really sensitive to the fact that if you're traumatised, or if you're sexually assaulted and and abused, you lose control. You have no control. And this whole process, yet again, you have no control. The control you have is that you go and tell your story, hoping and expecting to be believed, hoping and expecting to get some justice. Um, But in many ways, I'm not so sure our criminal justice system is well designed to provide that to people. And, um, so minding people as much as you can in your interactions, and um, not making promises that you can't keep, you know, at a basic level, because you're if you if you say you can deliver more, you can deliver, then you're going to be just another part of the disappointing problem, and another person who has violated trust.
1: I don't think it'll ever go anywhere. Do you know, I don't worry about it. I I made people aware of. Well, whether they want to believe it or not. The fact of they need to watch my sister is around my brother. Due to the fact of one has special needs, she can't... She can't say if I do. With sister, she's little, you know. And he had a daughter, so, right, so. Like, different story from being fair enough. They're kids, they're mm-hmm. helpless. Now, fair enough, I was a child, but it doesn't matter. I was always thought when I was over, tell the truth the moment you get trouble. I fucking told the truth. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I got in more trouble than I ever did, you know? Not in the guards said it's like but I, I, it was it was baffling because I had to go through all the rig and process of saying it and uh, saying it to multiple people and I got to a point where I
0: kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it
1: and eventually I'm saying I gave up
0: in spite of trying so hard to do the right thing. She is left unable to see her younger sisters, her mom telling her. You'll never get to see them up to their baby. That be. They're my,
1: they're left, they're my baby, you know. I wanna up to the family home. At all. No family garden, no nothing like that. But, I was the one being punished, time and time again, still to this day. I protected them, I put their needs over me, 110% all the time, do you know, and... But who protected James? No one. So I'm wondering if said, why did you come down and tell me we used to watch, eh, uh, Lord, or next you, knew you know wrong, and this, that, and the other, and then he's like, drink another fucking bottle, or take another pill. I know if actually no do you know, because... He's the apple of her eye. Still to this day, he can do no wrong. And that's what pissed me off. It's mental, you know, because (coughs) it's a family thing. The family aren't supposed to take sides in this, that, you know, but they did, you know, because I was never invited, to because I'd start up.
0: Amy has found a way to accept that her mum was just doing her best. That left her unprotected in the family, but this is where the state is supposed to step in and protect her.
1: Still don't care. I sat here with a social worker a few weeks ago, and she was telling me, "Oh, if this was said, this was said, we'd be straight in."
2: I sat down, "What's your life. Trauma of this nature is a- an egregious rupture in someone's dignity and personhood, and I think anything like actually the investigation of this type of crime could be beneficial for the person, even if it doesn't go to prosecution, if they feel believed, you know, if they feel believed and respected and that someone has heard them, because especially if it occurs within the family, there might be cases where they didn't feel they could maybe tell parents or they felt so very alone and vulnerable and to have someone it- an authority figure believing them and saying, I believe you, even though we can't go to trial or there's this big, big, long delay. I think that in itself is much better than the alternative. Um, so start with belief and go from there. For Amy,
0: creating awareness through avenues like this podcast is essential. It weighs in her heavily that she didn't get to be there for her sisters. Amy is just one person there's been a vast increase in the number of referrals made to TUSLA of child sexual abuse from 522 in 2016 to 912 in 2019 and all the indications are that this has grown again during COVID. And this also follows concerns that TUSLA have been under-referring cases to the Gardaí. Growth in numbers can be a really good thing where we suspect there was under-recording in the first place. It doesn't necessarily mean that more cases are happening. It might be that more are being responded to. But this is all the more reason that we need to be confident that the Guardi are ready and able to respond to each and every child the way they deserve, in a way that won't re-traumatise, in a way that will give them back control in this situation. Amy's willingness to speak to us about this is really inspiring and we're very grateful to her. Thanks also to Dr. J. Mulcahy of UL for explaining ACEs and trauma-informed care to us. Tony Groves and Brian at Groves Ahead have put excellent work into this, as always. Next week, we'll be revisiting the issue of domestic violence, speaking to Mary about how she was treated when she finally managed to report her abuse. And if you haven't already checked out this week's episode of Police The Beat, where we discussed recent events in Belfast, go do so. Please keep supporting this work by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack.